Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on episode 60 of Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Nikki Sterner, and today we're discussing melatonin. Do you really need it for sleep? Melatonin is a hormone released by the pineal gland in the brain at night and has been associated with control of the sleep-wake cycle. Melatonin relaxes you, so many adults and children have taken it when having sleep issues. There have been reports of accidental overdosing which is a cause for concern. Also, taking melatonin on a regular basis may lead to the pineal gland producing less, along with other hormone production being affected. The most common side effects of melatonin are headaches, dizziness, nausea, and drowsiness. Side effects also reported in kids are slowed breathing, depression, and suicidal thoughts. There are natural remedies to help with sleep issues, such as taking in calcium and other real food supplements like standard processes, Mintran, eating a small amount of protein, light exercise, meditation, limiting screen time, and reading before bed. Wishing you a good night's sleep. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Nikki Sterner, and today is podcast number 60 on melatonin. Do you really need it for sleep? Welcome to the show, Dr. Kell. Hi, Nikki. Hi, everybody. Hi. So this has been in the news recently, melatonin. Yes, it is. And uh, kind of as an article of the day, we're going to mention that information and discuss that a little bit. And I think you've read something about it, too. Did you want to start by sharing any of that? I was going to share a story because I just um, had my... I have this weird habit of not sleeping the night before something I'm doing for acting, whether it's a commercial shoot or being on a set or uh, like I had headshots taken yesterday morning. And I, for the love of me, it's been a while since I've been on set or done anything. And I did not sleep like all night long. And that never happens to me. I'm usually a good sleeper, but my brain, like I started researching well, what looks exactly do I want and what, what am I going to wear and all this. And so my brain is like on overdrive mm. and Literally all night, I kept on like, like, opening my eyes, and it's one o'clock, and then it's three o'clock, and then it's five o'clock, and then it's time to get up at seven. And I'm like, what in the heck? You know, and then it takes you a couple of days to like rebound from that night of no sleep. And I was like a zombie last night. And my daughter Kelsey was like, Mom, why didn't you, why don't you take like melatonin gummies or something? Like my friends do that when they can't sleep sometimes. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, because I don't usually take, you know, anything like that. I am a, usually a good sleeper, but it did bring it up like, oh, you know, maybe on certain days, if I know I'm not going to sleep well, or if I'm having a problem falling asleep, then it would help me to get at least a few hours of sleep. What are your thoughts about that, Dr. Kell? Well, I never anymore recommend melatonin. And there are reasons why, and we're going to talk about that today. Can it help you... Uh, Sleep. We'll get more into detail about that as we go. I just wanted to bring up the article uh, that I found online that I thought was quite interesting. It says thousands of kids are getting sick from downing melatonin pills. So it can cause problems. There is a percentage of uh, people, uh, especially kids, who... uh, Melatonin is a hormone. It actually is not controlled by the FDA, but it is not a supplement. People can think of it as a supplement, but it is not a supplement. It is a hormone. Your body manufactures it in the pineal gland, which is located in your brain. The body begins to produce it 
in amounts that help you to relax. When it gets dark outside, your, your pineal gland begins to produce melatonin. That's why you tend to be uh, more relaxed after dark. When you think about that, when you take a melatonin pill, you're telling the body, you don't need to make it for me. I can just take it in a pill. It actually causes over time, it causes the pineal gland to stop making as much melatonin when you're supplementing it. I had a patient not too long ago come in the office that had been taking it for five years, and he felt like it got him to sleep at night. He'd never tried anything natural or done anything else natural to help that problem. Um, and he, what he didn't realize is hormones interact with each other in the body. Not only did, was he causing his pineal gland not to function as it should be functioning in the production of melatonin, to, uh, after doing it for five years would definitely cause a real problem if he went off the melatonin initially because the mm -hmm. pineal gland would take time for it to begin producing the melatonin in the levels needed. Now, was his pineal gland uh, not producing enough melatonin, which then required him or need necessary for him to start taking it or add to it because his pineal gland wasn't functioning properly? Hard to say. I mean, there's so many other things that act interact with your body uh, that might inhibit the production of melatonin. But the point being is that's not the way you want to, to go. There's so many other ways. We, we did a podcast, uh, what is it, uh, tw 28 through 31 we did on sleep. And you may not remember many of the things we talked about and help you to get helping you to get to sleep. There are many natural things you can do without taking melatonin to get yourself to sleep when you're in that state of, I can't get to sleep. And many things you can do before you take that. What so basically what melatonin has never been shown to actually initiate the sleep cycle itself. What it does is it relaxes you. So it, as you take it, you feel more relaxed. Can it stop the racing in your brain? Probably can help some of that because you now feel more relaxed, less tense. But there are many other natural things you can do to, to stop the racing brain. And we can talk a little bit about that here at the end of the podcast. But when we get more into the natural things to do, but I wanted to share some of the stuff from these articles that are talking about melatonin and its side effects and why it's not good for you, why I don't ever prescribe it or tell people to take it. We talk about the kids having problems and thousands of kids having having issues. Signs you should look for if you're letting your children take melatonin, and I don't believe you should, but uh, because there is no set amount uh, that one should take. I believe an average, I think it's five milligrams is the average uh, amount of, of a melatonin pill, uh, if I remember correctly. You know, where'd they come up with that? Best guess. You know, they started doing it in a lab. When do we start getting a, a benefit or an effect of it? Uh, and I think that's how they come up with that level. But for kids, it can be too much. And, and, you know, they're smaller than we are. The bottles often don't say, okay, if you're under 12 years old, only take half a pill or things like that. So they're getting uh, overdoses on it. And what's happening is side effects. And, and these things can happen to the average person as well. But headaches, dizziness, nausea, uh, and the drowsiness, of course. And that's kind of what you're looking for. But uh, <laughs> you're trying to get to sleep. But this, the big side effect that, that happens and is happening more and more, and it can happen to adults too, not just kids, but kids tend to be more prone to it, and that's slowed breathing. If you take melatonin, if your kid takes melatonin, you know, if, if you've got melatonin in the house, do not make it available for your children. If they're going to take it, you need to monitor it and say, okay, 
okay, here's here's a pill or half a pill, try this first. I would tend to tell people to take, if their kids are going to take it, take less than the, you know, half to three-quarter of the dose that uh, is on the bottle to start out with, even though I don't really recommend doing it at all. Do the other methods. Use some of the other things we're going to talk about soon because you don't well, need the melatonin. I can imagine if kids are taking gummies that they would take too many. Yeah. Gummies oh, yeah. It's like, really yeah, good. it's like candy. And they're even linking it to depression and, and suicidal thoughts. In kids? In, in kids, yes. Wow. Really messing with There's something to, to be considered that it, it uh, may be connected to adding to depression issues as well. You shouldn't take melatonin if you're on anticoagulants, um, which would be the uh, most people call them blood thinners. They're really not blood thinners, uh, but they reduce the clotting ability of your blood but they don't really thin the blood, but that's what we all call them. If you're on uh, blood thinners, you should not take melatonin. They can interact with the drug and cause those symptoms that we've just previously talked about. Uh, Anticonvulsants, uh, contraceptives, diabetics, diabetic medication, um, like metformin, uh, medications that suppress the immune system. Uh, if you're on, uh, for instance, uh, people with MS, should not take melatonin because it can interact with the drugs that they're using for the MS. Anybody on an immunosuppressive drugs should not take melatonin uh, because of the side side effects and the interaction. Because and once again, these all go through the liver initially. It can affect the liver in certain ways, and then onto the brain, uh, reducing the the production of melatonin over time. But what melatonin really does is when you take it, it just relaxes you. So. Uh, when uh, it gets dark, your body naturally makes melatonin. Immunosuppressive drugs. I'm trying to think like what that would be. Well, the drugs like people might take autoimmune disorders. So oh. if you have an autoimmune disorder, uh, MS, uh, any inflammatory disease is usually considered an, an autoimmune disorder. You could even call arthritis an autoimmune disorder. The drugs that you take for um, any of those kinds of symptoms that you may be dealing with related to whatever disease, autoimmune disease you might have, be contraindicated. Did they say why, like what it does? Yeah, they interact with the function of the drug. Oh, so the drug stops functioning because the melatonin is doing they, something. It just depends on the drug, but they're saying don't take them because you can, you know how drugs, they often put warnings on drugs these days. They didn't used to, but uh, that uh, if you're on this drug, don't take this drug because it will adversely affect you in some way. Don't always. I don't know specifically what melatonin would do unless you had a specific drug to tie it to. It's probably something you could search on the internet, on Google, whatever. Yeah. That uh, I'm taking this drug. Is melatonin going to be an issue for me if I do if I take it? Mm, uh, and you're probably be able to find that online. You consider the issues though. If we, you said the other night that you were uh, having an issue going to sleep. Your mind was racing. Well, what did you do? I just kept on thinking that I was going to fall asleep, and I never did. So I just. So you toss and turn all, all night, basically? All night, because it rarely happens, but yeah, all okay. night. Okay, so you never tried anything. You never tried to do anything. Okay. No, I didn't. What, had you called me or sent me a text, <laughs> <laughs> what I would have asked you is, first of all, what what'd you have for dinner? And did you have any snacks afterwards? Um, I've actually been really good this week, so that was surprising. Um, okay. Brussels sprouts, chicken, and cucumbers. No snacks after dinner? Mm, I might have had some oranges, but that was it. Uh, not very many, like the little mini ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. Like a couple of them. 
Okay. But no, I was really good. You're good otherwise. Yeah. They, well, you had a lot going on. What? Not to get too personal, but what kind of thoughts are racing through your head? Oh, just like do this. Remember that things you um, needed. Things you needed to plan for or prepare yeah, for. Planning. Yep. Okay, so you were worried about making sure, not wanting to forget this or that. So you're feeling some anxiety related to yeah. the future. Yeah, anxiety, yep. Okay, so, and and that's very common, you know, but people have a wide variety. Um, I think things that I tend to fret over if I'm laying down and having a hard time going to sleep tends to be more past things than it does future things, although maybe I'm trying to get something done and having difficulty, so I'll fret over those kinds of things. But in this instance, you were kind of concerned or worried about the future, being prepared for the future. So one of the things, even though you're eating really healthy, you did have carbohydrates before you went to bed. Even if it was a small amount, that could have contributed some. Because having sugary foods, even even though it's good, you know, it's an orange, it's it's got good nutrients, got a little fiber in there with it. Orange... If you drink orange juice in and of itself, it's like drinking a soda. It will spike your insulin levels high. Okay, so uh, eating the orange, I don't know, you know, you said you've been eating pretty good lately. Has your body fully accustomized itself to functioning off eating these foods as opposed to eating other foods? Hard to say. Uh, what I would tend to tell somebody in your situation though had someone sent me a text and said I can't sleep tonight what should I do <laughs> I would have said depending on what you have available in your your uh, supplement cabinet I'd say take some calcium as some people might say I don't have any pills but I can drink a glass of milk okay there you go that'll help you know you've often heard over the years you know drink drink a warm glass of milk before bed I don't know if that's as popular as it once was but uh, that Right there, you're getting calcium. Uh, you're also getting some protein. Protein before bed, light some amount of protein before bed. Slow your system down. See, what's happening is, you, and we talked about this before, you have two systems in your body. You have the parasympathetic system, which is considered the feed and breed system. And then the uh, fight or flight system is the sympathetic nervous system. When you're eating, you're calmer. Like we talked about before, your body produces chemicals that calm you down while you're eating. So that's more of the calming part of your system. If you're in overdrive, you can't go to sleep you're, and you're nervous or stressed out about something, uh, your parasympathetic system is still turned on. It may not be running on high because you're laying down, you're trying to go to sleep, but it, it's on. And your parasympathetic system has not engaged. And to go to sleep, that system has to be engaged and the other one shut down and that's when your brainwave patterns begin to settle and you're more in alpha and beta during the day and you get into theta waves and then delta waves as you go to sleep and your brain wasn't able to get out of beta at least and may have mm -hmm. been producing alpha waves too you couldn't get down into that theta state and that's that's kind of what melatonin does it it can kind of relax you to to take you into that uh, that theta state and then then the body and the mind and everything else going on takes you into sleep melatonin in and of itself is not like taking a sleeping pill producing your melatonin naturally comes from eating well 
uh, and keeping your health in good condition. Uh, your body will naturally produce the amount of melatonin it needs for the function that you're looking for, so you don't have to take the supplement. In your case, I would have said probably most commonly a supplement that we give to patients, especially those with uh, sleeping issues, is uh, standard process is Mintran. So if oh, yeah. you, uh, uh, it's called Mintran. Have you taken that before? Yeah, I have it. Oh, good. The, yeah. That's something I would have said, suggested that you get up out of bed and go down and take half a dozen Mintran. Okay. I have the calcium lactate, too, like you were saying. Yeah. We found that the, the Mintran uh, contains calcium, magnesium, and a small amount of iodine. Also gives function there with the thyroid and interconnection with the glands, the pineal gland, et cetera, and everything else. That's why we always sex. you know, if you don't have the Mintran around, just take the calcium. found the Mintran, because of the combination of minerals, is more calming even than just the straight calcium. I'm going to try that next time. There's other things uh, that we recommend to people go beyond the Mintran. I was got to give a plug to our website for Standard Process, holistichealth.standardprocess.com. If you're having sleeping issues and want to try the Mintran, you can go there and find it at a higher discount than you would off Amazon or other locations. So, What is it? It's Standard Process or is it holistichealth.standardprocess.com. Okay. And we mentioned at the end of the podcast, too, the different uh, websites where you can find all natural stuff. The, I also would have suggested, if, if that wasn't totally helpful, to eat a small amount of protein. That doesn't necessarily have to be meat itself. It could be drinking a protein drink. And there you go, if you mix it with the milk. Uh, and you don't want to eat a lot. You just want to eat a small amount. You want to just get your parasympathetic system to kick in and start the digestion process. And it doesn't need to be a heavy digestive process. It just needs to get the digestive process going. And that digestive process gets your parasympathetic system active and helps to deactivate the sympathetic system. And that's what was happening in your mind. You know, you're racing because you're, you're stressed, and the stress kicked in the sympathetic system, didn't let your brain slow down enough, created other chemicals that were counteractive to the melatonin. And so you probably, cortisol levels were increased because in the morning when it gets daylight out, your cortisol levels are at their highest and your melatonin levels are at their lowest. That's why, you know, I always recommend don't eat uh, stuff that's going to, get stored when you have high levels of cholesterol in your system that's when you tend to store more fat in your body too so mm. uh, consider that when you eat your breakfast what do you mean oh i would always recommend in the mornings you eat uh, a, a more of a low carb meal i'd say more vegetables i'm okay i think eggs are generally good for you so eggs and uh, vegetables mixed into the eggs i'll, I'll often take uh, the mixed greens and into the pan uh, and and cook them along with the eggs and do like a scrambled eggs with uh, mixed greens in them. I don't. Uh, my wife, my children tend to add cheese just because they like the cheese. I like the cheese, but I don't think the cheese is good for you. I don't tend to eat a lot of cheese. I like cheese. I really, really enjoy it. But uh, like last night, my son, he took, he read something online and he, he took some cheese and cut it into little squares and then put it in the oven and baked it for 15 minutes. I think it was on... I don't know, 275 or 300. And then it basically baked the cheese and took it out and let it cool. And, and it was a snack, but I, I don't consider it a very, very healthy snack. <laughs> but uh, with the morning feeding, uh, I would tend to say, you know, if you're going to, if you, if you eat something like that, it's uh, higher in protein, still got the greens, got the nutrients from the vegetables, but you don't have 
any significant amount of carbs. If you go drinking a glass of orange juice or apple juice or something like that, you're, you're kind of boosting that. Uh, I don't really recommend either drinking fruit juices without, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would recommend more that you, if you want to give yourself uh, some good eating uh, and it makes it easier to eat those vegetables, much easier to get your vegetable intake this way if you're not a big vegetable eater and that's to make yourself veggie smoothies. Add in, uh, I find if you add in things like beets, it makes it very sweet. Mm. But you can also mix into the blender. If you follow that uh, philosophy of two times the amount of vegetables as fruit, you could put it in. You go ahead. Veggie smoothies or veggie juices? Veggie smoothies. Did I say what? juices? No, you said smoothies. I was just, I've never put veggie, like what kind of veggies in a smoothie? You can put it whatever you want. You're talking about broccoli or kale or... Yeah. Why not? What? Yeah. Of course. What? Yeah. Why, you never thought of that? They, uh, no. You know, most people think, oh, I'll just throw some... some. Uh, what What do you tend to put in your smoothies? Blueberries, uh, strawberries. The kids like pineapple, mango. Yeah, see... Uh, you're, almond you're, milk, see, coconut water, that kind of stuff. See, you're doing sweet stuff. The carbohydrate drinks the... Even as a smoothie, if it's, that's all it's got in that, it can spike your insulin levels. So yeah. I don't recommend that. What you want to do is you want to mix the fruits and the vegetables together. If you need it to be sweet, because just straight vegetables is not always that easy to drink, and in a smoothie it's got all the fiber in there, which is really healthy for you, uh, and it helps your digestion process, and then it helps the, the, the gut bacteria likes to feed on things like that. Uh, and so as you uh, put that together, you can make it good and sweet by adding some of those things you've just mentioned. Beets are very good for you, very good for the liver. And so I like to add in beets because they sweeten it. A beet is still considered a vegetable. Uh, but you can throw all the other stuff in there too. Just I would say do at least two times vegetables as you do to fruit. So tell me, uh, tell me, if you weigh it, if you weigh it out, uh, it's not that hard. Get a little scale. You know they have all these little small scales you can get now at the store for 10, 15 bucks. You know throw your fruit on the scale if you really want to do it right and and uh, grab the veggies and you know put a bowl on the scale, throw the veggies in there, and then throw some fruit in there, apple, orange, whatever it might be. Or, 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 like I say, I, I think best is to go with things like beets. You can also use monk fruit. Monk fruit is really good. It's, it has no uh, significant amount of carbohydrates, but is extremely sweet, and it's a natural, uh, you know, what would you call a monk fruit? I suppose it would lie in the fruit family, hence monk fruit. Duh. It, uh, I don't know, if you, have you ever used monk fruit? I really like the taste of monk fruit. Oh, okay. So you, yeah. you're experienced with that. And and that's a, a good way to sweeten those kinds of things, too. It, you can just play with it. But, yeah, you can blend up everything. Any kind of organic matter will, will tend to break down in the blender. Broccoli smoothie. Okay, I just found a recipe. Let's see what broccoli smoothie has in it. There's avocado smoothie, which I could totally do. I like avocado ice cream, so I know I would like avocado smoothie. The oh, recipe has... Avocados, milk, spinach, frozen banana, frozen mango, or pineapple or peaches and ice. I probably wouldn't do all the banana. That's super sweet, and we don't really like the taste of it. But, okay, and then let's see. I'm dying to know what's in a broccoli smoothie. Okay, ingredients for this veggie drink include unsweetened almond milk, dairy-free plain yogurt, broccoli, spinach, frozen banana, and frozen mango. 
How do you get the broccoli so small that you can't like taste the little bulbs? bits? <laughs> you just keep just keep blending it. It'll get smaller and smaller the longer you blend it. They, uh, um, but yeah, it breaks down. They into a into a slurry. I would call it. And if you need to make it thinner than it is, just add, you know, filtered water to it. Pumpkin smoothie. Mm. But you can take any of those those recipes you see online and add to or take away from this or that out of it and to your liking, right? Yeah, so I know, like, wild blueberries are one of the best things you can put in it. Yep, they're very healthy. That, yeah, spinach, broccoli, cucumbers. Berries, berries are very anti-inflammatory, so definitely recommend berries. All of it's anti-inflammatory when you think about it. Everything you're, if, you, if you're sticking with good fruits and vegetables, you're eating an anti-inflammatory diet. Yeah. Okay, well, that's eye-opening for me. I've kind of forgotten about vegetables in smoothies. And that, that's why I've, I haven't, we moved and I didn't bring our blender because we didn't have room for all of our kitchen stuff. And I haven't replaced it yet. And I have it on my list, like with a question mark. Do I want to get a blender now that it's hot outside? But I'm like, it's so much sugar in all the fruit. But if I could put broccoli, cauliflower, I have a broccoli, cauliflower, carrot mix that I buy at Costco. That's like the big bag for like $9 and something. If I could put that in the smoothie and oh, yeah. make Car- it taste mm-hmm. doable. Oh, yeah. Carrots and beets together. Definitely a good mix. Oh, yeah. And the beets. I got to grab some beets. Yeah. Do you do raw beets? Or do yeah, you do like raw. Cooking? No, just raw. Just blend them right up. You just wash it and then cut it up and put it in? Yep. You don't have to peel it? Nope. Really? Can if you want, but you don't need to. Interesting. The, uh, the dirt's good for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If they're great. Oh, if they're organic, the dirt, the dirt, there's a little bit of dirt. There's, there's actually good bacteria in the dirt that's good for your gut. You know what would be good? Dr. Kell, I know the dirt thing is, yeah, like um, making up little frozen baggies because I tend to make like a huge thing, like fill the whole blender and then everybody gets sick of drinking a really tall glass. Whereas I think a smoothie, like a half glass is like the perfect size because, you know, it doesn't give you like a brain freeze and all of that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you bet. And then just popping a baggie in every day or every other day or however often you eat it. Yeah, this could be a good summer thing. You're inspiring me. Very good. I'm glad. The yeah, it's it, it's kind of ironic, you know. What you're saying is very common. When people think of smoothies, they think of something sweet because where do you, you know, the home smoothie came about after the commercialized smoothie, right, or vice versa. I'm not sure for sure, but uh, maybe the the home version inspired someone to then start making the commercial stuff. Uh, you can get a lot of commercial smoothies at the store. You can go to different outlets. Like there's a boba tea. Uh, here in our center that produces the the smoothies, but the 90% of them are, are not 100% over there. I actually haven't been over and even tried them yet. I need to go over there, but apparently they're very, fairly busy, but it's always focused on sweet, you know, mostly made of fruits. And so people are always thinking that's what a smoothie is, made of fruits, but uh, we call the other kinds of smoothies a green smoothie. Because you add in those greens and broccoli, asparagus, or whatever else you want to chop up in there. Uh, and you can do any vegetable. Not all, you know, you don't have to cook vegetables. Not all, especially some, some are cooking because they're too firm, too hard to eat raw. Well, if you blend them, uh, then you can uh, take them down. That's a beautiful thing. 
It is. So always recommend the smoothie. You can add protein powder to it. Uh, uh, we always uh, recommend people when we're putting them onto diets, uh, you know, doing them, doing whether they're doing a cleanse or detox or, or just uh, trying to lose some weight. The healthy protein drinks uh, right into the smoothie along with it, and they've got. You know, Standard Process has those that are flavored. If, if you love that chocolate flavor, you can throw the chocolate smoothie in there, and your smoothie will taste a little bit like chocolate. I like to do the ones with no flavor at all, mixed in there, and then I just get the flavor from the veggies or the fruit. Healthiest way, though, is to stick with the vegetables in there. Use the sweet vegetables like the carrots and, and the beets, uh, and if you want to just do a straight veggie smoothie. And add a little monk fruit if you need to. Oh, yeah, let me write that down. Monk fruit can be added if needed yeah and that is one of the few all-natural sweeteners that uh, we found that we like do you guys use it at home uh-huh yeah what do you add it to oh uh, well, things like the smoothies uh you know ingrid's come up with recipes should post those up once in a while things like uh, she has some really good uh, key recipes that sweetens with monk fruit uh, like uh, and uh, use grains and uh, healthier types of flour. And, you know, stick stay away from the the wheat flour and other things for those. Typically, and not so much that the wheat is terrible for you, unless your gut's messed up and you've got uh, gluten issues. But uh, less carbs. She basically is a it's a much less highly reduced carb cookie, uh, but still tastes sweet and has healthy ingredients and. Uh, popular we'll have to get you that recipe yeah so melatonin <laughs> melatonin we pretty much wiped out there and told you you don't need it gotta you just gotta use better ways and go back and if you're having sleeping issues go back and listen to our podcast uh, segments from podcast 28 through 31 talks extensively about sleep so we got onto this veggie smoothies because we were talking about morning foods to eat yes cooked veggies eggs with veggies veggie smoothies we're gonna have to change we're gonna have to change the title of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) is that better because something to do with stress as far as eating that way uh well the cortisol levels being high that's why i mentioned it Uh, your cortisol levels are highest in the morning and lower in the afternoon so if you eat when your cortisol levels are high if you eat more food than than your body needs especially in the form of carbohydrates you'll store that as fat so that's why i say I think you're better off, or I would always recommend that you eat uh, more of a low-carb breakfast, like eating eating cereal, sugary cereals in the morning, which is a common thing in, in the Western world because it's easy and quick. You throw open the box of cereal and throw in the cereal and then throw in your milk, and, and that's your breakfast. Uh, that's a high-carbohydrate meal in the morning. For uh, people who are working on keeping their weight in balance, that's a bad thing to do because if they don't uh, use up all that energy before they eat again that they put in their body the body will store it as fat and the body if the cholesterol levels is high it will begin storing it as fat even before you've used up all the energy the whole process the body recognizes it oh you got too much let's store some of that Mm, yeah even though it may not necessarily need storing quite yet, it starts the process because the level of glucose in your system is is very high. Make mm. sense? Mm-hmm. The hormone cortisol is, is just a signal to your body, hey, make fat, make fat, make fat. And so that's what happens. So some of my takeaways for ways to 
sleep when your cortisol is high and your brain is racing were to do the Mintran or eat calcium, eat small amounts of protein. Light. I oh, remember another thing I didn't mention is light exercise. Light exercise. Light exercise before bed can be helpful. Yeah, take a little walk, uh, do a few push-ups, whatever, a few deep knee bends, whatever works for you. Wave your arms around in, in the air if that, that's all you can do. You uh, talked about um, like the different brain waves, so like maybe listening to a meditation or something. Oh, yes. We, we, we actually have, though. We, we keep saying we're going to put them up online and make them available to people. That's still on our list. Uh, we have uh, CDs that I created several years ago that oh, cool. uh, uh, if you listen to them, we call them sleep CDs, where, and they're, they're already out there. There are a lot of companies that produce these kinds of things, so if you want to go look online for CDs that help you go to sleep, what they, what they do is they uh, slow your brain down. They, they produce the theta and delta waves and uh, typically have anything from waves in the background to, to you know, sounds of, of a stream or, you know, a storm or rain, things like that. And, and many others will have music embedded in there. So you're listening to some nice music along with producing the brainwave pattern slows, helps your brain tends to begin to mimic that and then slows your pattern, your brainwaves down and helps you get to sleep. Uh, reading before bed can... Uh, also awesome. slow your mind down to get you to go to sleep as well as long as you don't read uh, something with a lot of energy in it that wakes you up you know? yeah that's a good idea many things you do no need to just lay there and toss and turn and think it's going to work if you get up for a few minutes and and do some of these things we've suggested you may very well find yourself within 10 15 minutes you can go back to bed and you'll go right to sleep and on your way these are great great suggestions. Thank you, Dr. Kell. Yeah, so lastly, I'd just like to say you don't need the melatonin. Don't recommend you take the melatonin uh, because of all the reasons we've discussed in the podcast. Because it affects the other hormone production. Yeah, that's a major one. The side effects and the, and the uh, alteration of your natural hormone production and effects on the liver and all that. Uh, there's natural ways to do it. You just got to figure out which one works for you. Uh, there are other things like uh, kava, is another one that uh, help can help go to sleep. It's out of a herb out of Australia. People who have extreme issues will sometimes uh, prescribe that, and you can get that through standard process as well. We'll okay. go on and on as we will in the future. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And any final comments, Nikki? Uh, no, that was very timely in my life since it just happened two nights ago. So thank you. I had lots of questions. Good. It was inspired and- then. Yes, I think you answered them. So thank you so much, Dr. Kell, for all of that information. Thanks for listening, everyone. Well, thanks, Dr. Kell. Thanks for being our professor. Happy to do it. hope somebody out there is getting benefit from it. We're learning every time you talk. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. For questions or comments, please email us at healthtalkwithdrkell at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-L-L at gmail.com. You'll find the lowest prices on standard process whole food supplements at holistichealth.standardprocess.com. As always, we recommend you seek nutritional advice from a qualified healthcare professional before starting a supplement program. And for natural and organic health and hygiene products, see our sponsor's website at oceanbaynaturals.com. While we make every effort to broadcast correct information, we are still learning. 
We will double check all facts, but realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. We are simply presenting our views on how to live a healthy lifestyle that will be as evidence-based as possible. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. We take no money from drug or device companies. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Kel Fullerton or any guests or any contributors to the podcast or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Dr. Kel Fullerton be responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast. This blog should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Our website, blog, and podcasts are all HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to subscribe to the website posts or to post information on the website blog, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission. The contents of Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast and the show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if Health Talk with Dr. Kell is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is being redistributed. The Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast is a production of The Orange Stack with executive producers Dr. Kell Fullerton and Eric Hammond and host Nikki Sterling.